Yes, God, we thank you for reaching out to us, Lord God, in love, Lord, with grace, with the gift of your loving presence, Lord God. It's surprising. Uh, You're powerful. We know that by just looking around and seeing uh, what's been created by your word. Um, And the good news is that you're also loving. You see us, you know us, you call us into your great love. And Jesus, help us uh, lean back into that, rest in that more and more. Even as we gather uh, in this week, let that go deeper into our hearts. Help us know the depth and the breadth of your great love for us, Lord. Uh, Because it frees us, Jesus. It frees us to be better people, less stingy, more generous, and more loving as well, Lord. Do that good work in us this morning, and thank you, Jesus, for your commitment to us. Amen. All right, go ahead and take a seat. Look at this day. It is sunny out. Man, it's been a little while, but the sun has come out. This is the first nice Sunday we've had for a while. Great to see you. Glad you're here. And uh, start off with a question for you. How would you finish this sentence? You ready? God is blank. God is, shout it out. What would you you say? God is love. All right, that's a good one. God is. Yeah, that's even his name, his his self-revelation. I am. What else? God is good. Kind, patient, yes, he is, thankfully, right? Oh, my gosh. All right, God is. Okay, so this morning, um, I looked up that phrase, God is, the Lord is, and just saw what Scripture said. Here's some things. God is with you, with us. Uh, God is uh, with them. God is near us whenever we pray. That's an awesome one. I like that. God is a consuming fire, a jealous God. He's intense, Um, God's a warrior, but he's also slow to anger, abounding in love and forgiving. God is powerful. God is peace. God is the one who knows, who hears, who sees. God is is gracious and compassionate. He's mighty. God is a righteous judge. God is our refining fire. God is a refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. God is just. God is my helper. God is steadfast. God is king forever and ever. God is good. His love endures forever. God is holy, perfect, flawless, my salvation. God is sovereign over all the kingdoms of the earth. God is everlasting. God is close to the brokenhearted. God is merciful and forgiving, righteous in everything he does. God is faithful. God is one. God is just. God is light. And back to the first one, God is love. God is love. That's the one we're going to focus in on today. God is love. That's how John, who walked and talked and ate with Jesus, uh, summed it up. He's thinking back on his time with the Lord and what he's seen God do since then. He says, God is love. That's your first fill-in on your bulletin. If you don't have one, grab one. Raise your hand. We'll get one to you. Uh, online, you can fill in some blanks as well. So God is love. Okay, that's a great, ah, that, that's great, that's rich. Let's ask the question, well, how does he demonstrate that? Is that just a nice slogan, a nice motto? Uh, how, does, how do we know that? Like, how has he shown us this? 
Well, let's go to John again. First John 4, this is a letter that John wrote to some believers. Um, he said, this is how, just in case you forget, this is how God showed, demonstrated, displayed his love among us. Okay? He sent his one and only son into the world that we, that you and me might live through him. This is love. Not that you love God, right? But that he loved you and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice, flesh and blood for our sins. This is how we know God loves us. He acted in time and space, tangibly, in flesh and blood for you and me. And then hearing that news that's been passed on and on and on and on, that good news, hearing it and receiving it, opening up the door of your mind to that, starting to believe that is how you begin new life. It's how you come into this new creative work that God is doing in the world. It's how you become part of his new humanity that he's doing all over the world. This is how you and many and anyone can take hold of the life that is truly life. Life now, life eternal, life to the full, life filled with his wisdom. I could use that. I could use some more of that in my life. His power. Yeah, sometimes I just feel powerless and, man, I, I get... That's what God is inviting you and me into, a life filled with those things more and more. We're in this series called Winning Together. This is winning. This is winning. It begins with you and me receiving God's love for us. He's come. He's demonstrated. He's displayed it. And you and I just receive it. It's a gift. You can't earn it. can't work hard enough for it. It's a gift from God, our maker. Winning is this. Three parts to this uh, that we've been looking at so far. Winning is number one, first fill in in your bulletin. Maybe it's your second fill in. I don't remember. Number one, winning is becoming more and more confident that God loves you. Lean into that. Move into that more and more. There's more life for you as you become more and more confident that God loves you. A lot of that is just believing what he says, believing his word, believing what he's done, and saying yes to that. It's once in a while reflecting and thinking, well, how, how do I know that God loves me? Right? How do you personally know that God loves you? Well, man, I'm alive. i got breath in my lungs. I'm here. Look at this. This is magnificent. Um, think about the blessings in your life. I thought back on, man, who I was before God set his love on me and called me into that and who I am now. God's taken me a long way. got me a long way to go with me still. But, man, God is at work. God is good. That's a good question to ask yourself. How do I know God loves me? Well, think it through. And then, of course, the big one. What makes me able to go into God's presence with freedom and confidence now? God's shed blood for us on the cross. Man, that, that is real love. That's demonstrable love. All right. We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. Um, God knows you. God sees you. God calls you into a loving relationship with himself. And then that moves you and me. If that really goes into it, it's going to move you. If the spirit of God, the life of God is in you, the spirit of God is also going to move you into this next thing, which is loving trusting and obeying God more and more. 
That's what happens. That love we receive from God, oh, he's good. I believe him. I'm trusting him. That moves into me loving, trusting, and obeying God more and more. I'm going to put some of the things that he says into practice and see how this goes. Winning is doing that more and more. We looked at that last Sunday, right? The metaphor was running a race. God's brought you into this race. In this short time that we have before we go and be to be with him, we're running this race of aiming to love him and please him. And as we do that, we see good things come into our lives. We become better people. We become, the next one, more loving toward others. That's number three. We become a blessing to others as we do the things that God calls us to do, as we put those things into practice. As we begin to love others the way he has loved us. That's the flow. That's the, that's the transformational, life-giving flow that God has called you and me into. Back to 1 John. I'm going to start it at verse 10. He said this. Remember, this is love. Not that we love God. We were doing our own thing. We were, we were doing things that really offended him and that went against him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved you and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. Dear friends, since God so loved you and me, we also ought to love one another. See that, how that works? That's, that's the motion. That's the movement that God's bringing us into. And that is winning. As we become more loving people, less, less self-centered, looking at ourselves, thinking about ourselves, narcissistic. As we move from that to looking outside ourselves, being more loving, more generous like God is toward us, bro, that's, that's when you come alive. It, that's where we're going. That's the aim. That's what God's inviting you into. If you're not interested in any of that, I'm sorry, man. God doesn't have anything else for you. This is the thing. This is the door that leads to life. This is the narrow path that leads to fullness of life. So let's help each other get into that more and more. All right, that's our message today. Winning, we're going to focus on number three, winning by loving others. Okay, now to climb into that, we're going to look at Peter, one of the 12 disciples. Uh, who's a Peter fan? Like Peter, he's one of, yeah, yeah. It's all, the, it's all of us who like speak before we think act before we, you know, really process. Peter's great. I love Peter. I love reading about him and his encounters with Jesus. There's a lot here for us in Peter's life. Um, his nickname is, no, that's his real name, actually. What's his nickname? Uh, the Rock, yeah. Be before Dwayne Johnson, man, even. Like, that's where he stole it. Okay. So, all right, let's follow along with Peter, see what's going on there. Uh, we're going to pick it up. Uh, so, at this point in the, in the story, uh, Peter has walked with Jesus for just over three years. Uh, he's seen him do amazing things. God has personally called him, invited him into a relationship with himself, said, Peter, come follow me. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And Peter's seen a lot, man. He's seen God do amazing, powerful things and loving amazing things uh, with people as they've traveled around through Israel. Now, Peter loves Jesus, all right, Peter loves Jesus, man. He's a passionate just guy. And he left everything, everything to follow Jesus for those three and a half years. And now, now let's listen. On the night before Jesus is arrested, tried, and crucified, we read this in Matthew 26. While they were eating together, so Jesus is with his, the 12. This is on Passover. While they're eating together, Jesus took bread. 
This is familiar, right? He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Jesus giving himself, God in the flesh giving himself to them. Then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it. He's offering it to them. Drink from it, all of you. This is the blood of my covenant, of my formal commitment to you. This blood is poured out for many, for you, for the forgiveness of your sins, so you can be reconciled to God. Then he goes on, I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. So he's looking ahead past the cross, resurrection, into that future day when we will be in the presence of God again, eating, drinking with him, enjoying his presence uh, in the flesh. All right. Verse 30, when they had sung a hung, oh, sorry, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, which was just outside the city. Go down the Kidron Valley, go to the other side. There's a hill there that's facing the temple and the city. It's a, it's a great view. And they go to this garden, all right? Verse 31, then Jesus told them, this very night, this very night, we just had this intimate gathering together, this very night, you will all fall away. On account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, that's Jesus, and the sheep of the flock, the disciples, will be scattered. But after I have risen, on the third day, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. So he's prepping them, I'm going to see you again, and so forth. Peter replied, even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, this very night, before the rooster crows, even, this very night, You, Peter, will disown me three times. Peter declared, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And so Peter, not to be outshone by Peter, the other disciples say, yeah, yeah, we'll go. Even if I have to die, I will never disown you, all right? So they're, they're in it. It's genuine. They love Jesus. They don't want to see him go to the cross. They haven't liked that bit of the news about his plan as he shared that with them. Um, so, you know, there's the call. There's the call. Um, Peter loves Jesus. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Okay, so what happens next? Okay, Jesus leads them outside the city walls to the garden. Uh, the Jewish leaders, uh, they sent the temple guards to arrest him, led by Judas Iscariot, the betrayer. They find Jesus, they arrest him. And then there's turmoil, right, in the garden when they're arresting Jesus at night. Watch what Peter does. John 18, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Hey, don't mess with Jesus. I'm here to protect you, Jesus. Jesus commanded Peter, put away your sword. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Peter, it's why I came. I have to do this. All right? But again, Peter... I love this story. Not everybody does. Peter loves Jesus, man. You know, think about the mom or the dad who, who jumps in front of the, the car to save their child. Like, Peter is there, right? He's protecting Jesus. And it, and it goes against everything Jesus has been teaching. But still, the heart is there. He loves Jesus, all right? Then what happens? Well, Jesus is bound. He's brought to one of the Jewish leaders' houses where he's interrogated. Um, Peter and John followed, you know, kind of in the background, followed to see what was going to happen. One of the servants asked Peter, 
Aren't you one of his disciples? Peter replied, I'm not. Like, where did all that courage and passion go, right? In the moment. I'm this way. You guys, we've all been there, right? The big talk, and then things get real. Things get challenging, a little risky. Oh, I I don't know the guy. Then Jesus is brought to the acting high priest's house, Caiaphas' house, to be interrogated some more. Peter's asked by a servant. And then by a relative of Malchus, the guy who's got his ear chopped off. You're one of his disciples, aren't you? Peter denied it both times, three times. Then what? You know, we have chickens. We, we, Becky and I, we, you know, the COVID thing, people are buying animals, livestock. We're bored. We bought chickens. And it turned out one of them was a rooster. Um, that's not good. Uh, we, we got rid of the rooster. I won't tell you how. But we have one of the, you know, the main uh, hens. There's four. Uh, she thinks she's the rooster, so she's, she gets up early, and she goes out, and she makes this little kind of, it's kind of a sad, fortunately, it's not a very loud cock-a-doodle-doo, but every morning she's greeted, our neighbors love us. Anyway, the rooster began to crow, right? Can you imagine that moment for Peter? Oh, it's happened. Jesus was right. Jesus knows me. Jesus sees. Peter loves Jesus. He does. It's unmistakable. Come on, right? Peter loves Jesus. And Peter denies Jesus three times. Peter is human. He's flawed. He's weak. Peter loves Jesus, and he also loves something else a bit more, like like his own neck, right? A little self-protection, survival instinct there. Peter loves Jesus. He loves being alive as well. Does Peter trust Jesus? Yeah, I mean, he's followed Jesus. He's demonstrated trust in Jesus. But he also, in that moment, do you know Jesus? Weren't you with Jesus? He trusts something else, right? He trusts his ability to lie and manipulate the situation to protect himself. All right. Jesus then is interrogated to lead Jesus out of the city and crucified him. Before sundown, Friday, when the Sabbath begins... Jesus' dead body was taken off the cross, put in the tomb. That's the first day. Jesus is in the tomb. Saturday comes, he's in the tomb. That's the second day. And then on Sunday, the third day, empty tomb. Empty tomb. And and the resurrection appearances begin. First two, do you remember who? Mary Magdalene. Yes, Mary of Magdala. That evening, uh, Jesus appears to the 11, except Thomas, actually 10, because Judas is out, uh, and Thomas wasn't there that first Sunday night. Then the following Sunday, Jesus appears again to them, uh, and this time it's including Thomas. And then later in that 40-day period where Jesus was appearing to his disciples, giving convincing proofs that he was alive, this happened. All right? Let's pick it up here in John 21. Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. There were seven of them there. I'm going to go out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. Peter's kind of the leader of this, this group. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. So typically they'd fish at night, they caught nothing. They struck out. Early in the morning, 
Jesus, the risen Lord Jesus, stood on the shore. The disciples at that point did not realize that it was Jesus. Verse 5, he called out to them, friends, have you got any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 7, then the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, said to Peter, it's the Lord. He recognizes this. This happened earlier when Jesus called them, first called them. All right, yeah, it's the Lord. It's, gotta be, it's him again. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, what did he do? He wrapped his outer garment around him before he had taken it off, and then he jumped into the water right, to go see Jesus. They're only 100 yards off. The rest were more wise, and they, the other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. When they landed, they saw a fire burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. So Simon Peter climbed back into the boat, dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153 these guys are fishermen. They're like, there are 153. But even with so many fish, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Ah, there's the mixer question, right? Did anybody say fish and bread for breakfast? Oh, fish and chips. No, I'm just making up words for Wes there. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Jesus is inviting them into fellowship to have uh, time with him. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. What a scene. What a moment. This is awesome. Let's see what Jesus does with Peter. When they had finished eating, so they spent time together. Jesus was probably teaching them, talking to them. They were asking him questions. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Some, Simon, son of John. That's like his official name. They didn't have last names. They would refer to each other in this way. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these 153 fish. Do you love me more than that way of life that you were living before I called you? Do you love me more than living apart from me? Do you love me more, Peter, than that? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed people, Peter. Feed my followers. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Second time. Jesus is slowing Peter down. He really wants Peter to think about this and take it in. Do you love me? Do you really love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. Take care of my people. The third time, Jesus said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Remember third time, Jesus, uh, Peter disowned Jesus three times. Jesus is restoring Peter in this. He's doing something here. Peter said, Lord, you know all things. You know it all. You know my heart. You know what I was going to do that night. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. 
God in the flesh is calling Peter back into fellowship. He's restoring him. He's calling him out of that shame. Peter must have felt shame for disowning. You know, he knew. He felt it. God calls him back. Game's not over, Peter. I got things for you to do. I love you. You are faithless. I'm faithful. That's how God loves you. Got that? We're faithless, man. We're sketchy. We're fickle. Just like people. He's faithful. He knows. He knows what you've done. He knows what you're going to do. And he is committed. He is faithful. Let's take this down. What do we see here? How does God love you? Fill number one. First, Jesus made that great sacrifice for you. Sometimes you just got to go back to that. You know, remember the cross. Remember him coming for you. Take and eat. This is my body. He did for you what you could not do for yourself so that you could be restored to God. So you could be reconciled to God. Jesus made a great sacrifice. Sacrifice means unearned. Unearned. It's a gift. You can't pay for it. You just receive it and you say, thank you. I could not do that for myself. I needed that. Yes, Lord, thank you. Receive his love is to receive that great sacrifice that he made for you. God's love, the love that he's calling you into, the love that he's calling you to receive is, first and foremost, sacrificial. It's sacrificial. It's the kind of love we're talking about here. This is what God has demonstrated. All right, that's number one. What else? How does God love you and me? Number two, Jesus stays committed to you. Yes, to Peter, to you, to me. Jesus is in. He sealed the deal with his blood, the blood of the covenant. All right. Jesus' love for you, God's love for you is sacrificial. God's love for you is committed. What else? Number three. Jesus sees you and addresses your real need. Jesus saw Peter fishing, kind of drifting back to that old way of life. Jesus knew Peter felt ashamed. Jesus calls him, friends, have you caught anything? Invites them over, come, come and eat with me, and restores him. He does that with you and me. God's love for you is sacrificial. It's committed. He, he sees and knows and addresses your real needs, your soul needs, the stuff that's really going on inside. A lot of times people don't see. Number four, Jesus invites you into fellowship. Come eat with me, right? He's knocking on the door. You open the door, he wants to come in and fellowship with you. Jesus invites you into fellowship and into his work in the world into what he's doing. Peter, feed my sheep. Peter, so leave the fishing behind. We got work to do. We got something good to do. That's where I'm going. Come with me. I want you to be in that with me, God's saying. God's inviting you and me into that. As we go into that, as we lean into that, we're winning. That's winning. That's this new life that we've been called into. And then Jesus calls us into this. This is how he sums it up. If you want to know what it looks like to follow Jesus, it looks like this. My command is this. This is John 15, 12. Love each other. Look around. Everybody here. Love each other. How, Lord? As I have loved you. Those same ways. Sacrificially. Committed. Seeing and addressing real needs. 
inviting each other into fellowship and into God's work in the world. That's what we're called into. So how are we doing? I thought, okay, well, that's, that's, God's laid that down very clearly. We, we ought to love one another. That's the direction. That's the aim. That's the target now. That's the narrow path that leads to life. Love each other. How are we doing here at OTC? And so I asked. I, I sent out an email to people on my email list and just said, hey, uh, how have you experienced love at OTC? Have you? And at first, nobody responded. I got a little nervous. And then it started, to, it started to trickle in, and then it came and came and came, which was awesome. All right, I mean, just lovely, beautiful, awesome things. And I uh, got a bunch of responses. I've asked a few people to come on up to share how they responded to that. And so I'm going to first ask Jenny Boucher to come on down. Yoo-hoo, Jenny Boucher. Thank you for sharing. Jenny's going to share what she shared with me. Good morning, OTC family. My name is Jenny. Uh, my husband, Mark, and I have been coming to OTC for about a year. That means we started coming about the time everything shut down. And so by about June, I was thinking, how am I going to meet anybody? I, this is really strange. So I, uh, when the announcements came for small groups, I said, hey, I, I want to be a part of something. And uh, God really blessed me in that um, <clears throat> put me in a small group where the ladies just have really overwhelmed me with their love and their acceptance. Uh, kind of like what Wayne was just saying, you know, it's they understand God's love for them and freely give it. Here I was just a new member and they didn't know me, but they still accepted me. Somebody's birthday rolled around and I got to see their love for each other in action too. They write cards to each other with prayers and scripture and words of affirmation. And then when my birthday rolled around, they did the same. So I um, just am really blessed and uh, feel like I've been loved by OTC. Andre, are you here? All right. Alex is also good. Hi, everyone. Good morning. My name is Alex Alejandro, as Wayne said. I'm here with my wife, Paulina, and my two daughters, Zoe and Sophie. And I would like to just share real quick how we've felt loved by OTC. We have to go to Mexico. We've been in the Bay Area for three years now. And we joined OTC in the summer of 2019. We used to go to this church in San Francisco, but uh, the pastor and, and his wife moved to Reading. And then we were looking, we were pretty much church hunting at that time. And we were asking God to uh, bring us to this place where we will felt love and we can grow and that's when we found OTC. The first time we, we got here, we, the service was in, in the, inside the room. And me and my wife uh, felt really uh, loved and peaceful of being here. So that's how it all, it all began. And I was sharing with uh, Wayne, every year we have to go back to our hometown in Mexico, Guadalajara. And we go to this interview in the consulate, American consulate, to get our visa renewed. And it's kind of a challenge because of the seeing the family, seeing friends, and then having to go back to the U.S. and leave everything behind, right? It was harder the first time. It's getting easier, but it's, it's always going to be hard just leaving family. And, and, uh, and yeah, but the good news is that this place that we are in, is, uh, it's a good place. We, have, we love our, our house here in, in, in Lafayette, uh, the community. 
we love the church. And I was sharing with Wayne that um, when when I was feeling sad and upset because, I mean, you go down there, it's like you never left, your family, your friends, and then the time comes that you have to go back. But the memory of our the life that we have here in, 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 in the Bay Area um, and the memory of this church, uh, being here in the park, uh, having... having uh, church in the park and then my daughters enjoying Sunday school my oldest for example Zoe she loves going to the youth group uh, talking about small groups she just loves it and that's that's one of the memories that I had in Guadalajara saying okay we're we're going back to the Bay Area but this is a good life this is a good thing and just wanted to share that this church has loved us so much and has given us the opportunity to grow and meet wonderful people and I'm really thankful. I just want to say thank you Lord for this community, for this church. Thank you for bringing us here and showing us how we can be loved in so many ways. I bless Wayne and all the leaders and every every family represented here that has come to this church. Thank you so much in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Yeah, just to add to that, I mean Alex, the family came and uh, I love hearing that they've been blessed, but man, they've been a blessing to us as well. You know, they, they teach the kids, they, Alex has preached. Um, uh, it's great, it's great. Um, I'm going to read uh, another one. Um, so this one was from Kaylee. Uh, Kaylee Mobroton. She said, uh, I would have to say the power of prayer through OTC. That's how she's experienced God's love, how she's felt loved here. I've had so many prayers answered by praying myself, but also because of how much everyone at OTC prays for me and for Derek, her husband. We know we, are, we always have people to turn to for prayer and support, and we have uh, been so blessed. Are you here? I can't tell. People have masks on. Okay. Um, and then I want to, uh, John, you want to come up? John Harris? I can read it. Or I didn't even ask you. Do you want to come on up and share what you share with me? Or I could read it. You pr- what do you feel like? Come on, John. Let's hear it straight from you. The mic a little closer to me. Okay. Um, it's good to be here with you guys this morning. Um, yeah, I was uh, really grateful for that question. I suppose I'll just read it because, yes, I have been put on the spot. Um, more, more recently, I've been shown love through personal interactions. I have been loved by Tim McVicker through his interacting with me, searching for a car. I've been shown love going through the Gospel of Mark with Mike Jensen, hanging out with him and talking about testimony and faith. I've been shown love by Jonathan Fry and Vicente and their families as they have opened their homes to small groups. I've gotten to explore and deepen my faith with others at OTC. Uh, The Ardeline family has shown me love by opening their home to myself and others to dispatch rabbits. I have been shown love by Pastor Wayne through seeing Pastor Wayne's dedication and commitment to OTC, as well as spending time with him, talking about what God is challenging me with and bringing to my uh, and bringing to my attention, I have been loved by many others at OTC. In, in answering these questions, instead of attempting to name everyone, I would say this: I have been loved here at OTC 
through seeing the many people here on Sunday, by singing songs of worship here with you, uh, through seeing people come here after Jesus' heart and seeking him, through mixer questions and hanging out with you before and after service, through connecting with you throughout the week, I too am seeking Jesus and recognizing him as my Savior, the Sovereign Lord. Do, doing that with my church is one way I know I am loved. All right, I'm going to uh, share a couple more here. Um, Sierra shared, she's teaching the kids over there, and maybe she can hear her. She wrote this, what can I say? OTC is my family. There are too many things to list in how many times OTC made me feel loved, from Jeff fixing my car, Jeff fixing my bike, Jim and Jane allowing me to live in their home, Mike and Janice paying for school, paying off my car for me. Financial support over the years from the share fund exactly when I needed it. My job, gosh, there are so truly many things to list. I'm trying to imitate her. It's not working. I am truly so grateful for the relationships I have here. And I'm so happy, bold, so happy that it is Christ that brought us all together. Amen. But okay, if I had to choose one, I would say that one that stands out the most is right after I had Charlie. Charlie's her, I think she's two now. She's three. Yeah, uh, Charlie was only one and a half months old, so going way back, um, she had moved to Martinez, still unpacking boxes, she was exhausted. Kate and Rebecca, I think that's Zimbra, Zimbra, Rebecca Zimbra, right on, Ethan, they have a little one now. Rebecca came over for a small group, saw my grocery list, and decided to go for me so I could stay home and rest. They not only got all my groceries for me, but got my favorite candy bar, too. Boom. It was such a blessing that I needed right then. I felt so loved. It's awesome. Just more and more. And look at this. So as I was going through these, listening to these, I was thinking back on how Jesus has loved us, has demonstrated his love for us. And there's more. There's more. But uh, look at this. Now you and me are called into this. Maybe you're hearing these stories of people saying, yeah, I feel loved at OTC. Maybe you're like, "Ah, you know, I haven't felt loved lately. This would, be, this would be selfish, Wayne. Yeah, when was the last time I felt loved? That, don't go there. Don't go there. It, the call is for you and me to love others. Like, and, and there's this magical thing happens. I, you know, it's an amazing thing. As you begin to love others the way God has loved you, you start to enter into this. You start to come into this fellowship, not only with God, but with others. You start to really experience deep and loving relationships where people genuinely know you. You genuinely know them and flaws and all, and we walk it out together. That's the invitation. That's the opportunity. This is how you do it. Number one, don't wait for someone to do this for you. You start. You, you, you do the things Jesus is calling you to do. Number one, loving others means making sacrifices for one another. Making sacrifices. That's hard. That's giving up someone, something for somebody, right? And maybe they're not even going to deserve it. Maybe you're not going to get anything back for it. It's just making sacrifice, giving unearned gifts, giving freely, giving generously like God has given to you. That is the love that God is calling us into, making sacrifices for one another, staying committed to one another. Number two, just like he has stayed committed to you, like sticking in. Sometimes that's just half the battle, sticking in, working through the conflict, having the hard conversation, not just bailing. 
That's, that's the way the world does friendships. We don't do it that way. We're family. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're with each other for eternity. Let's learn to love well now together by making sacrifices to one another, by staying committed to each other, working it out. Number three, seeing and addressing real needs. Seeing them and not just standing by, addressing, stepping into it. It's going to mean a sacrifice. It's going to take something of you. It gets you into the game. It's off the bench, into it. See and address real needs. Number four, invite each other into fellowship. Invite each other. You're going somewhere, invite somebody in. You got something good going, invite someone in. Invite people. You're going to get turned down a few times. Right? That's part of it. But keep after it. Invite each other into fellowship and into God's work in the world. We all get to participate. We all get to be part of this. That's how we love for us. Lord, wow, you started off, man. This is a radical, different kind of love, Lord. It goes against our selfish grain, our nature. Um, it's a radical thing, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. We didn't love you. You loved us. You initiated it. And Lord, help us open ourselves up to that more and more, receive that more and more. Know your love for us. Help us rest in that. Be secure in that. Lord, help us receive your great love. And then, Lord, we want to become people who love you and trust you and follow you. And so help us love each other. Help us love people around us, Lord God. Help us do the things that you've done for us. Help us love sacrificially. Help us be committed. Help us stay in. Help us work it out. Lord, help us not just see needs, but address them, step into them. Lord, lead us in that. Teach us how to love one another. Give us opportunities to fellowship together, even with the challenges of all the shutdown and everything. Lord, help us persist and press on in this, Lord. And thank you for the blessing, the life that you have for us as we do, Jesus. That'll come. Lord, help us do these things first. We love you. We thank you for this time together. Amen.